0: I invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 2. If you've been with us in recent weeks, you know that we are in a series this month looking at the songs of Christmas. There are four songs in Luke's Gospel in his account of Christ's birth. And today we are looking at the third of those songs, the one that the girls just sang for us. Uh, It's often called the angel song or Gloria. Well, it was sometime after Christmas, a mom went to start packing up the Christmas decorations and she went to carefully start packing up her prized porcelain manger scene that she had inherited from her grandmother. And to her surprise and frustration, she discovered that there, in place of one of the, of one of the shepherds, there was a G.I. Joe. So, uh, it didn't take much to figure out who to call in. She called in Junior and began the, uh, inquisition or investigation, uh, <laughs> and discovered that, um, Junior had been playing with that shepherd and had dropped it, and it had shattered into a million pieces. And he was horrified, knowing how much his mother loved this manger scene. And so he went and got his most prized possession, his G.I. Joe, and put it there in the place of the shepherd. Well, Mom was very moved by his tender heart, and... uh, to this day, G.I. Joe has a place in that manger scene every year. And uh, most people would look at that and say, a plastic G.I. Joe has no place among an heirloom, you know, classic porcelain manger scene. But actually, that odd out-of-place character is more in place and in line with reality than we generally imagine. Here in the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2, we find the, the verses of scripture which most of us are most familiar with when we think of the, of the biblical narrative and the biblical account of the birth of Christ. These verses most define that for us. And so we're coming to a very familiar passage of Scripture, but as we do this morning, I want to note several surprises that we typically, that we often might easily miss. But follow along as I read the first seven verses of this passage. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now there's a lot of surprising stuff in there if we didn't know the story well. And if we do know the story well and we think about it a little bit, there's an awful lot of surprises there, but not the surprises I'm looking for this morning. We're just getting to the first of those. Let's keep going. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled. Filled with great fear. Now, an angelic appearance is surprising and it is shocking, but that's not the big surprise I'm looking at this morning. It's who they appeared to. What we have here is in this song, first of all, or in this passage, is we have a surprising audience. I imagine that most of us have grown up hearing this, this story and hearing this passage all of our lives. And so to most of us, we know the fact that the angels here appeared to the shepherds out in the fields. And they announced to these shepherds the birth of the Lord Jesus. We know that shepherds are an integral part of the Christmas story. Christmas is loaded with shepherds. They're in the passage we read. They're in the carols we sing. They're in all the manger scenes. They're on the Christmas cards. Shepherds are everywhere. They're so common to us, we expect to see shepherds there. We'd be very disappointed if they weren't. Matter of fact, to us, the presence of the shepherds there is warm and fuzzy and it brings warmth to our heart. Oh, Mary and Joseph weren't totally alone. The baby Jesus wasn't totally alone just with His mom and dad. They had visitors. Oh, it's warm and fuzzy for us. But in first century Palestine, things were different. The very thought that God would announce Jesus' birth to shepherds, well, that was eyebrow-raising, that was face-slapping scandalous. No, no way! He didn't do that, did He? That would be people's reaction. People would expect that, that the Messiah's birth might be announced to religious leaders, It might be announced to political leaders. It might even be announced to the upstanding elite citizens in Jerusalem. But to shepherds, that's unthinkable. Not just because shepherds weren't the important people. Of course, you see, we remember and we know that in our Bible stories and through the Old Testament history, we know that shepherds have a prominent place. Some of the great heroes, the great stalwart figures in the Old Testament were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, King David. They were all shepherds, great heroes, great men of God. But things changed. Somewhere between David's time and this time, over that basically thousand years, things changed. How much did they change? Well, Joachim Jeremias, who wrote the book Jerusalem in the Time of Jesus, quotes some rabbis of the day. As they talked about shepherds, he quotes this. He says, most of the time they were dishonest and thieving. They led their herds onto other people's land and they pilfered the produce of the land. So Shepherds had a reputation for dishonesty, for just being thieves. He says, some rabbis warned people, don't ever buy wool, don't ever buy milk, don't ever buy lambs, don't buy anything from shepherds because it's probably hot. It's probably stolen stuff. He quotes another rabbi saying this, says, there is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. See, we think of David when we think of shepherds. They thought of criminals. Jeremiah also wrote that because of their poor reputation, shepherds were not allowed to fulfill a judicial role nor to be admitted into court as a witness. In a nutshell, shepherds were considered lowlifes, thieves, the dregs of society, the outcasts. Trying to put that into how we would view them today, they would be the migrant workers, the bikers, the homeless, the ex-cons. And so this was stunning. Shepherds are are a scandalous audience to receive a visit from angels, much less to receive a visit from angels who are announcing the birth of Messiah, the most significant birth of human history, and the only record we have of anyone receiving that message from God. He is born... Is shepherds. God noticed these outcasts. Shocking, surprising. There's a second surprise here though. The angel goes on and, and the message just gets more surprising. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news. Great joy for everyone. A Savior is born. Surprising news and good news. First of all, I note that, thankfully, God didn't send a politician, (laughs) nor did He send a celebrity, nor did He send a reformer or a social activist. God sent a Savior. He sent what we needed the most, Savior. He sent a Savior, though, who is more than a Savior. He is Christ. Christ is the Greek word. The Hebrew word is Messiah. The anointed one. The promised one of old. The one promised throughout all the Old Testament looking forward to the one who had come to be the king, the deliverer, the Savior. One descended from King David. But more than the Savior, more than the Christ, He is Christ the Lord. The Lord, a title of deity. He is the one in charge. The supreme, the one who everyone answers to. In other words, He is God in the flesh. That is all incredible news and it's all surprising news. Not to us. We've heard it a million times. The surprising news then, He's here. But that's not the surprise I wanted to point out. Don't miss verse 11. The very first words. For unto you. Just in case we missed the phrase back in verse 10, just before this, That I bring you good news of great joys that will be for all the people. Who does all the people include? All the people. But just in case you shepherds missed that, he gets really personal. For unto you is born this day. Unto you. God sends His Son into the world. And from His birth, Jesus is identified with the outcasts. He is born for you, shepherds. When this baby grows up, when Jesus begins His ministry... Jesus will make a shocking statement that we listen to, and again, we hear it with warm fuzzies. But the people of that day didn't. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And we go, oh. And the people of that day went, a shepherd? Huh. Shepherds are low conniving scum. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And He focused His ministry on the, the lost sheep of Israel. As Matthew tells us in chapter 10. He will in His ministry and throughout His ministry he will mingle with and he will minister among the poor and the the outcast. He will focus with on the those who are the neediest, those who are the lowest. He will minister among the prostitutes and the sinners. You see, this morning, you might be the last kid ever chosen on the playground. You know, the one when they've already taken everybody and they go, oh, you can have Keith. No, oh, you can have Keith. You've been there. No, we're serious. You take him. You know. You may have been kicked out of your house. You may have been shunned by friends. You may have been abandoned by parents. You may be rejected by a spouse. You might have been fired from your job. Ostracized from this group or that group. Viewed as undesirable, unwanted, looked down upon. You may be a failure in school. You may be a failure at work. You might be a failure at home. The world might label you as worthless, as a reject, but to God what I learn here in this very birth announcement is to God, outcasts are not excluded. What a marvelous surprise. You might take that as your first Christmas gift. Outcasts are not excluded. A Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. And He's born for you. But the angel goes on with another surprise. Read verse 12. Follow along as I read. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, for many of us, the surprise would be swaddling clothes because we have no idea what those are. (laughs) It's... (laughs) But it wasn't a surprise to them. Lots of babies then were swaddled. It's strips of cloth that are wrapped around to bind the baby, to hold him snugly. That wasn't the surprising part. It's the lying in the manger part. A manger, a feeding trough for animals. Sometimes people say, you know, Jesus was born in a manger. No, He wasn't. He was laid in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. We generally think of that as that this wood frame thing that has hay in it. Actually, from what I understand, when that the, the manger, or the manger normally was made out of stone. I saw one in Israel. This big stone about that tall, that like that, well, a hollowed out place. But the manger is where they put the food for the cattle, for the animals. Closest thing in my house to a Manger is a dog dish. I've had babies and I've had grandbabies. I can't imagine putting one of them in my dog dish. A place where animals have been slobbering and chewing all over. It shows how poor and how desperate Mary and Joseph were that they put their precious baby there. But that's not the surprise that's here. The biggest surprise that's here in this verse is that as the angel talks to these shepherds, he's not just informing them of Jesus' birth and not just, as we'll see in a moment, treating them to a grand celebration of Jesus' birth, but there is here a very surprising invitation There is an invitation here by the angel to go see Jesus personally. You say, I don't see the invitation here. Well, it's implied. It's not stated outright, but it's implied and it is definitely here. You see, I don't give you my phone number unless I expect you to text me or call me. Otherwise, trust me, I don't give it out. I don't give you my address unless I expect you to come by and see me, hopefully to drop a Christmas gift off on my front porch. No, I'm just kidding. Not hinting for anything. See, there's an invitation here. There's no reason to tell these shepherds, here's how you find the baby and know that you have the right one. Because when you find a baby in a manger, you found the right one because nobody puts their baby in a manger. The only reason to tell them that is because you're expecting them to go find Him. It's an implied invitation. You know, I've noticed over the years that most couples are kind of picky about who comes to see them when they're in the hospital with their brand new baby. Hospitals have picked up on that over the last uh, 40 years or so. If you want to go visit a mom and baby in the hospital, you got to get past the locked doors to the maternity ward. And when you get past those, there's this gauntlet of nurses, you know, Nurse Cratchit's there. You know, what do you want? You know. and you to see? You know. <laughs> Because moms and babies have said, we really don't want, you know, Uncle Joe just popping in. We don't want the guy down the street just popping in. Most couples are kind of picky about who pops in, in that intimate, tender, very personal, private, emotional, all of that, you know, all of that stuff. So I find it fascinating and surprising that when God's son is born, God sends the only invitation to come visit To a bunch of outcast shepherds. God says, hey, my son is born. Here's how you'll find him. That's shocking. And there's a marvelous picture here for you and me. Just as John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. What's the next word? That whosoever or whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent His Son so that whoever can be saved through Him. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus came so that even outcasts can have a relationship with God, can become God's children. John chapter 1, verse 12. So to all who received Him, to who believed on His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all. To anyone. To shepherds. To bikers. To convicts. To you. To me. By the way, if you have yet to come to Jesus, receive him as your savior and enter into a relationship with God, to know God as your father, to have your sins forgiven and a future in heaven. That's the invitation God gives to you today, and I I trust and I hope and I beg and I pray that you won't <laughs> come here to this week of Christmas. Go through Christmas And hear this invitation and never receive the gift, the whole reason that Christmas exists. God sent Jesus for you. Trust in Him today. You can do that right where you are here. You can do that at home. God invites you. Now this is all such incredible, this is such amazing news that heaven erupts. Look at verse 13. And suddenly that there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And here finally we've made it to that third song of Christmas. The Gloria. The song of the angels. The one angel who has been talking to the shepherds all this time is now joined by a multitude, by a heavenly host. Literally, the word there is a, a heavenly army who is praising God. Just a little freebie. Take note that you you might notice here that it doesn't actually say the angels sang. You might need that on some Christmas trivia quiz sometime. It says the angels sang, are saying, not the angels sang. Hmm. So maybe they're just All saying together, glory to God in the highest. Or maybe they're cheering it together. Glory to God in the highest! Or maybe it's an early version of rap. Glory to God in the... I won't demonstrate anymore. But in the history of the church, this has traditionally been considered as a song. By the way, a little more trivia. Nowhere in the Bible does it say angels sing. So maybe they don't. Some have said that it's only redeemed believers who sing. Maybe it is. In my imagination angels sing and they sing gloriously. So I don't you you can take your pick. The Bible doesn't tell us. What I do know here is a handful of shepherds who have lived very simple lives probably who have probably never seen anything really wonderful or spectacular. They've never been to a grand, great concert. They are suddenly witnessing an angelic army. How many make up an army? I don't know. A thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million? The sky has just erupted with angels who are praising God. Angels, in all their glory, there is light shining everywhere. It must have been an unthinkable spectacle. In my mind, it's a concert and they're singing. In my mind, it is the grandest concert that has ever been heard on earth. You think of the biggest spectacle and concert you could imagine. I think it's bigger than anything you've ever seen. Why do I think that? Because God is great. and I don't think He spares stuff. And I think He did all this for just His handful of little shepherds. He would think it would be for, you know, we want a million people in the audience, the grandest audience that's ever seen, to see the grandest spectacle. And God lavishes it on a few little shepherds. Because I think that's how God is. He gives us gifts we don't deserve never imagined and I think God just says hey you, you you shepherds I know the world doesn't think much of you but just see this and the rest of their lives they're trying to explain to people what they have have seen yeah I know you won't believe this but let me tell you that's all very surprising but it's not the last surprise I really wanted to call our attention to The fourth surprise that I want us to note is really in the next verses, verses 15 to 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her, in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Again, passage is just loaded with surprises. Surprises, one of, one of which I just have to say, uh, I'm amazed that the angels appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds go to see the baby. I mean, why wouldn't they? They've realized they've received the greatest invitation ever. They can't refuse this. Angels have told us. And and, it, and so they go. And they hurry and find the baby. And here are Mary and Joseph. You know, we looked last week at Mary's song. When the angel Gabriel appeared, had appeared to her. And then she went to go see Elizabeth and she and she sings this marvelous song and they celebrate both of them the their miraculous pregnancies and but you realize from that time on there's no record and there's no indication to ever expect that Mary had another miraculous encounter no special word from god no nothing joseph had a vision of an angel, a dream with an angel that told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. But from that point on, apparently they live as normal people trying to deal with life in everyday situations with a pregnancy, a virgin that's pregnant and people talking and all of that stuff that they have to deal with. And and then this whole taxation thing that pops up that makes them go take this trip that they didn't plan to take and want to take to leave and travel some 70 to 90 miles depending on the route from Nazareth to Bethlehem in, in the very height of her pregnancy. We can only imagine all of the grief and all of that entails. And here on this night when this baby is born, and imagine, guys, here you are, Joseph. You're trying to be the provider and the protector and the strong guy for your wife. And here you are in this most critical moment for the birth of the baby that you know is to be the Messiah. And here you are having to give birth in a barn or a cave. And all you can provide for your wife is the barn or the cave and the manger to lay this baby in. How do you feel, guys? Mary, you've been through all this, the travel, the upheaval, the, the, the whole labor going into labor in this strange place, this alone thing, you're you're away from family, you are in this awful place. Why didn't God send the angels to them? I've often wondered. But God didn't. He sent the angels to the outcast shepherds and the shepherds to them. And here, so here's Mary and Joseph. In all of that, you're there in the barn or the cave or wherever it is. The baby's in the, in the manger and these people show up. Bikers! Rumble into town and they, whoa! There it is, the baby! And they run over and you're, who are you? What are you doing here? You smell like shepherds. You look like shepherds. You are shepherds! Ah! And then the shepherds say, you won't believe this. And they tell the story. Do you see what Mary said? Verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things. You see, it's a gift from God. While they are there in the midst of one of the most trying times of life, one of the most awful circumstances of life that we could imagine... And you're wondering, is this really the Messiah? God sends shepherds with a story of angels. And God uses that in the midst of all this for comfort for Mary. And memories forevermore. Yep. Yep. God is doing something amazing here. And what you know is that life is going to be ordinary and yet it's not. God is doing extraordinary things behind the scenes that we don't see. But that's not the surprise I was pointing to. It's still coming. Well, it's actually, we just saw it. The shepherds can't stop glorifying God and telling everyone what they have heard and seen. You know, marketing experts tell us that what wins is not necessarily the best product. Or what wins is not necessarily the best idea. Or what wins is not necessarily the best candidate. What typically wins is the best marketing. The right strategies and the best promoters are what makes the difference and sells the product. It wins the day. But you know, God, as I look at Scripture, God just doesn't seem to be concerned with that. And what I see here is surprising spokesmen. God has chosen to use shepherds as His spokesman, And the message here is that being an outcast doesn't mean being useless. God begins Jesus' story with the most unusual spokesman you could choose. The most unlikely spokesman you could choose. Societal outcasts not insiders, shepherds, not priests, people who weren't good enough to be allowed to testify in court and yet God entrusts them only with the greatest birth announcement the world has ever heard. Indeed, the greatest message the world has ever heard. A Savior has been born and He is Christ the Lord. The only people at Christ's birth who get that message from God and its shepherds. Thirty years later, Jesus begins his ministry and he begins with some fishermen. He begins with a political extremist, a zealot, a terrorist by our standards, and A tax collector, the most hated of people, tax collectors. He's a Roman sellout. Not exactly a stellar lot that Jesus chooses for his inner circle of right-hand men. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he takes note that, folks, in your church there in Corinth, I, I realize that there are really very few of you who have any standing at all in society. And he goes on to say to them, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And I realized that this and here at the birth of Christ, I realized that God often chooses outcasts to be His promoters. God often chooses outcasts to do His work. If you're here this morning and you feel like an outcast, or if you've ever felt like an outcast, like I really have nothing to offer God, please hear this this morning and understand what we need to do is just simply give God what we have. I'm an outcast, but here I am. There is a great need for this very big world to hear this good news that a Savior has been born and He is Christ the Lord. And He has come. We might have life, as we sang earlier. But through the centuries, I note God has not primarily done his great work through great people, not through great religious organizations, not by greatly highly gifted people, but rather that God primarily has done his great work through ordinary, even less than ordinary, even outcast individuals who have met the savior. And then who Simply and personally, go tell other people what God has done for me through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, not many of us would say that we are people of great standing or of much standing. How we need to take heart in this message. First, if there are any here this morning, any listening, watching at home, who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that they have heard this morning that you love them, that you sent Jesus for them, that you call them to trust in Him, to receive Him as their Savior. You will give them forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Then, for all of us who at times we feel there's really nothing I can do significant. For Christ, I have really nothing to offer. May we take heart in this, that not only does God save outcasts, He uses outcasts greatly. And you desire to use us to accomplish things of eternal significance. Things that people may not notice, things this world may not notice now, but things that matter for eternity. So, Father, may we be faithful to be who You've made us to be and to do what You've called us to do. You've called for every one of us to be witnesses just to tell other people what we've seen and heard in Jesus Christ. Then, Father, by Your grace, may You work through us and may You turn our world upside down. Because, Father, Your heart breaks for a world that is lost So, Father, help ours to break too. To break enough that we are faithful to share the good news. Unto us is born a Savior. And He is Christ.